What's up? Welcome to Build. This is Maggie. As I've progressed in my product career, resources for how to do the role as you move from PM to product lead to director and beyond really feel few and far between. So I decided to gather the Drift product leads, so the people who manage the product managers, together for the first in what I hope is a series of conversations about the role, what we wish we knew before we started, and the biggest lessons that we've learned so far. I'm joined by Daphne Funston, Dan Hawley, and Matt Bellotti, yes, of the Growth Podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and please send me other topics we can cover at maggieedrift.com. Welcome, Daphne, Dan, and Matt. I'm super excited that we're doing this. I know we all speak regularly about what we're doing. And as product leads at Drift, and I imagine other product leads at other companies have conversations like this. And I wanted to share this a little bit more broadly because I think that there's a lot of information in the market about getting into product management, but there's not a lot on what happens once you're in and you become a manager of product managers. So I thought it'd be really interesting to share a discussion on on our experience becoming product leads. So I think where I want to start is if you guys could look back and think about what would you have wanted to learn about before you became a product lead? Yeah, for me, I think it was about learning how to suppress this feeling of feeling like an imposter, right? And you can think about that as like, I doubted my own accomplishments. And I had this kind of persistent fear of like being exposed as a fraud by either my my reports or my team. And man, I didn't understand that I even felt this way until I really started managing people and starting to talk to them and present more regularly to senior and executive leadership, right? So in the back of my head, as I'm talking to these teams, I'm thinking, how the hell did I get this job? Why am I presenting to the C-suite in general? And then like, how am I the most qualified person to like be teaching others and, and coach them on how to like succeed at this job? So yeah, I mean, like I was just thinking to myself, like I'm trying to get acquainted with even what does this new role mean to me? Who is my new team? What do we need to do for our customers? And to be honest with you, I started deferring to everybody else. I started thinking to myself, well, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to rely on other people that I know about this space and familiar with it and see what they say. And I kind of like lost that kind of control because of this like imposter syndrome type feeling that I was here for a reason. And I think now that like I take a step back and I think about it, it's like I'm in this position because I can make things better and not make it better just for my team, but for the company as a whole, which ultimately translates to our customers. Yeah, I love that. And I would imagine that you probably came at the role with a lot more humility than maybe someone else would who didn't feel that way, who just was like, yeah, I got this. Like I deserve to be in this role. And I think it is a huge transition from, okay, I'm executing to how do I help the people around me execute. That's exactly right. As we think about just the team structure in general, it's like being a manager, it's like, wow, from a seniority perspective, for how long you've been doing this perspective, you might be managing people that are older than you. It's like, oh my, like, am I really in this position to help them succeed in this job? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that often comes when you're coming from the place of you've been kind of killing it in your last role and you really understand the responsibilities of PM and you feel really confident in your ability to do that. And then you move up a level and all of a sudden you're starting from scratch and there is the level of having confidence in your ability to do this, but you are also, it's good to come in humble and you are learning a lot of new things. So I think there's actually, it's kind of a good ego check moment. To build on top of that, I think the reality that I realized once I moved into this role was that you are no longer thinking of 
product decisions as just like what is the best way to make this product work for the customer and to solve a job or whatever it might be. But you have to really be thinking through that longer term strategy. Like why is this strategically the right thing for our business? And I think once you move into the product leader role, you realize that this goes to Dan's point and what Daphne was just saying is you realize that now you have to make those decisions, right? Like it was easy to not realize how much of that decision was like, kind of already processed for you when you're just the PM on the ground floor. Yeah, I would say it's like making that transition as well, Matt. It was about my, like I have to get along with my individual team members as an individual contributor because I need to get things done and I need to be copacetic and I need to build a camaraderie with this team. Like when you take that step to that next level as a product leader, you still have that feeling of I want to be liked. And that is like a big thing that you kind of have to start being okay with not being liked all the time. And I think that's like a huge learning as well, which is taking that step to product lead. You have to kind of separate yourself from that. Dan, I love that point. I think that's something that I think about a lot, especially in the context of how to give feedback, becoming a product lead and managing product managers and sort of being in, helping influence the product managers teams that they're on. And then how to balance like, how much feedback to give, when to give it, when to step in and say, no, this is the right way to do something versus, yeah, go try that out. Like, here's how I would think about it. I think for me, I didn't have a good understanding of what the right balance was when I became first started managing product managers on that level. And then I was always like, am I giving too much feedback? Is this person mad? Like, am I being too mean? Like, what's the right way to give that feedback when all of a sudden you're like, shit, I don't want to mess this up, but I also want to make sure we ship the right thing. Yeah, I think I had a similar thing when I first started attending the meetings of my direct reports, especially people who were new to the team, and I was helping them get onboarded, of figuring out what the balance was of when I should be talking versus listening in a meeting. And I think, especially for teams that I had been running, coming out of being in that role of leading these meetings and and driving them forward, then to sit and take a back seat, I kind of had to keep like a hand over my mouth to prevent myself from jumping in at all these different moments when really it was the PM's time to speak and drive the meeting forward. Daphne, like, how did you learn that? Like, as a product leader, did did somebody say, hey, calm down in those meetings, don't say anything in those meetings? Or like, how did you get to that moment where you're like, I do have to take a step back, I do have to stay quiet? I think I was in a meeting talking and looked at the PM and realized what I was doing and that they were kind of sitting there and not looking resentful or anything, but being quiet and, and letting me talk. And I was just thought, this is not the dynamic that this should be. I should be quiet right now because this is their team and their time to kind of call the shots. Yeah, I think about that a lot. I definitely, as you all know, have a tendency to talk a lot in some of these meetings. And I think that for me, what has been a useful strategy is like focusing on giving my feedback maybe one-on-one with a product manager so that then when they're in a room, they can own the direction of the conversation and I don't have to like talk over them. So making sure that we're on the same page as much as possible so that they know kind of how I think about a problem so that they can be the owner more publicly if there is something that I want to give coaching on. But then I also think that like there's this weird dance that can happen when you don't want to take control or take ownership or influence too much where you're like 
asking leading questions and it might just be simpler just to state your opinion. And that's a balance that I've been working on, which is when is the right time to coach versus when is the right time to be quiet versus when is the right time to just say your opinion. Yeah, I love that. And I think I'm still figuring that balance out. I think the asking questions is definitely a really useful thing when you're trying to guide people in a particular way, but you don't want to overrule. I think one of the also challenges is if you're bringing a new PM on to a team that you used to manage, there's all that trust already built up with you and the team. So they take your, not just because of seniority, but just because of that trust, they take your opinion really seriously. And I think that can overrule. And like you said, in one-on-ones and outside of the view of the full team, being able to coach in those moments, I think is really powerful. Matt, I have a question for you. I think you mentioned when we were talking about this before, that one of the things that you, looking back, that you wish you had known a little bit more about was longer term vision market strategy. So curious sort of how that showed up for you and you became a product lead. So I'm, I'm going through one of these processes right now. We just introduced a new product strategy planning thing called the PD2, which I'm sure you'll do a podcast about one day. The view of it is you are setting the stage for the work, like the core initiative that the product teams will be doing over the next few quarters and potentially even up to a year. Like it is the fundamental strategic positioning of the product. And I just think that it is so much different than defining a single job to be done when you're a core PM, because the the single job can be like really easily tied back to, yeah, I talked to these five customers. I realized that they all had this like very common theme. And so we moved the way that this feature works here to this other position in the product. And we found that people are using it way more. That is just a very, very different process than, all right, I need to deeply understand the positioning of other players in the market, where they're heading, what that means for us and the strategic positioning that our sales organization is trying to take and what that means for feeding the new messaging of the category that our marketing team is trying to pull us in. Like It is just so much more cross-functional than just the customer. I'm learning a lot through this process that I didn't quite get much or as much exposure to when just doing normal PM as I'm doing now. Matt, now that you have that exposure, are you challenging your team, your PMs to be thinking this way as well, knowing that it would have helped level you up as a product manager? I think I should probably start doing that a little bit more. That's a that's a great point. Because I, I do think that, which circles back to a lot of what we were saying before, of Maggie and Daphne, of trying to make your view clear versus lead someone to something. I think you can do a mix of make it clear and add the clarity of what the complexity behind that decision is, right? It's one thing to say like, oh, we should build it in this direction because that's our strategic thing. It's a very different thing to say to your the rest of your PMs, hey, we're moving this decision because this is how the marketing team's positioning is so on and so forth. So I should probably start doing that more. That's a great point. Yeah, Dan, I think about that a lot, especially because I want to make sure that the the people that I'm working with are getting exposure to like what's next so that they can, to your point, start growing and preparing and leveling themselves up. But then I also have this weird thing where, and I think it comes back to your point about imposter syndrome, like 
who am I to really be setting this direction? Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to gather some information. To Matt's point, I'm trying to look across the different functions, trying to understand from the founders, like what's the strategy and trying to piece together all that stuff and putting together Matt, the PD2 or sort of the, the longer term product marketing, product vision. And then you kind of have to hand that over. And I think to me, the handoff feels really awkward because I don't like telling people what to do, but it's it's kind of your job to set that scene. And so I'm, I've been trying to figure out with the PMs I work with, like, what's the right balance of me being like, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is this is where the conclusions I've come to, this is where we have to go versus getting their feedback. And I think that's something that I'm still trying to figure out the right way to do, or at least how to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And I think that's why I asked the question to Matt, because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot for my team, which is getting them not necessarily more involved with like the longer planning. There's parts of this kind of documentation or going through this exercise that definitely helps unlock the thinking. What I mean by that is more being more specific, right? Being more specific as to who you're solving the problem for, being more specific about what actual problem are they having. And I think that type of thinking very much helps our teams because they're trying to connect the dots each and every day, right? They're listening to internal stakeholders. They're listening to us. They're listening to customers. They're listening to someone of the market. They're hearing things about competitors. And there's so many different things that you can start thinking about, which is cloud your brain versus being so targeted about solving high value issues. And I think that, that some of the thinking that we're putting behind some of these documents is extremely valuable for our PMs to actually start leveling up. One of the ways that I've been trying to expose my team to the role or day in the life as a PL is just trying to show them what my process is in creating something like the PD2 doc or going through some of the feedback sessions on the PD2 doc. Actually, I learned this from you, Maggie. And then I will record, like I did this this morning, record a video on what that conversation looked like with our CTO and other senior leadership, what the kind of conclusions were that we came to, what the action items were on me to move that forward, just so that they can understand what's happening, how we're coming to these decisions, and what their role would be in that kind of conversation as they move up. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a habit that I have started doing earlier this year, and it's been so useful, A, to kind of crystallize your thinking sort of right after you're in one of those meetings or you're doing, you've completed a piece of work, everything's super fresh in your mind, taking five minutes to sit down and record a video that's like, okay, here's exactly what happened. Here's what we learned. Here's the conclusion we came to. And then you can easily share that out to the rest of the team to kind of disseminate what you learned, what's happening, whatever. I think it's useful for me to to remember what I did learn, but then also to share context in a way that feels as transparent and sort of inclusive as possible. Shout out Drafidia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the more that I think about this as this conversation goes on, it feels really similar to when you are a PM, your team, your designer and your engineers are going to do a better job when you give them all the context right? Like the more context that they have, the better the solution is that they can create together as a team. It feels very similar, right? It's you as the product lead, the more context you can give the PMs, the better they can level up their own approach to the work that they're doing, which impacts the today work to prepare it for the future work. And I think there's still the also when you share that context, and when I share that video, part of what I'm saying is, give me feedback on this. Here's the conversation that we had. Here's where I'm thinking of taking this based on that conversation. Gut checking it with you guys. Does it make sense to you? 
I think we all have such smart people on our teams and their feedback. They're so close to their customers. They have a really great perspective to bring. So I think there's also a lot of knowledge share that can happen in both directions that can be valuable for everybody. Yeah, I love that. I think that makes a ton of sense. I'm curious, as you have all been managing product managers for varying periods of time now, what do you think is the biggest, I think we kind of covered a couple of these, but what are the big lessons that you've learned that kind of surprised you or that weren't something that you had heard someone else already talk about? I think for me, it was actually being able to articulate my superpowers or why I did what I did when I was an actual PM. I never really took a a second to take a step back and say, why am I doing this? Because I think after being an individual contributor for so long, you start really thinking through the things that you're building habits, you're building a gut instinct, you're getting enough reps and sets over time to actually start seeing patterns. And then all of a sudden you start jumping into action without really thinking, why am I actually doing this? So I think for me more specifically, the thing that I learned was how do I actually formally teach those things to my team so that way they can level up even quicker and get to a conclusion or an outcome even faster than how long it took me? So if you think about some of the things, like my team's asking me, why did you prioritize things that way? How did you know to do that? And why did you do that thing with that customer? It's like you just kind of know how to do those things because over so many course of time, like you just start kind of getting that gut instinct and reaction. But the reality is being able to teach your team members those things is really what helps unlock the power and gets people to level up. So yeah, I think over time, it was really hard for me to to really articulate how to do things. And on the flip side, how do you support somebody who has a really different style or set of superpowers than what you know? If you know their strengths lie in different areas than your own, how do you support that if it's something that you can't easily teach because it's not something you're great at on your own. Yeah. And I think just figuring out how to, A, understand that that's what's happening on, on either side, Dan and Daphne, like, is it is it that I don't know how to explain this thing that I'm really good at that's sort of intuitive for me? Or is it that this person's really good at something that I don't even really understand how to coach them in because it's sort of intuitive to them? So yeah, I think that's really interesting. And that's definitely something that I struggled with, which is like how to explain stuff that seems obvious to me and how to like peel apart what's happening in my own process. And I think Daphne, that's where a lot of those like videos I started making came from was my attempt to like walk through my own thinking just to see if I could figure out exactly what I was doing so that I could actually share it with someone and have it be useful instead of me just being like, I don't know, I just kind of thought about it, which is obviously not helpful. Yeah. And I think for me, maybe that's, you know, going back to really the imposter syndrome type stuff. It's, it's feeling like, how am I supposed to answer these questions for my team? Like, how am I supposed to be supportive when that's not my superpower, or I don't know why that thing is happening to me, that that is the place of which you kind of feel like you want to just kind of crawl up into a ball. But the reality is at some point during your time as a PM, you've experienced it. You've gone through it in some way, some shape or form. It's a matter of extracting and figuring out where you may have seen it, getting that pattern recognition down, and then being able to coach somebody through it or to take a step back and say, I don't know but I'm going to find out for you so we can have this conversation so we can kind of move forward together. Yeah, that's a really good point. Matt, did you have anything on this? Mine's in a slightly different track. I have a very particular way of operating with my teams. Like when I'm PMing from an organization, like this is what our process looks like. We do this on Wednesdays, we do this on Fridays, this is how we document it. And once I became a manager of PMs, I realized how hard it is to get other 
teams and other groups to adopt this same type of process because it goes back to what we were just talking about in terms of superpowers. Like one of my superpowers is that organization piece and another PM that I might be managing has a different type of superpower. And then the process that I'm asking them to do just like doesn't really mesh well with the way that that PM operates and the tech lead operates, right? Like, And so I just found that it's more difficult than I thought to get everyone to like use the exact same type of process. And I think that's okay. Like, I actually think it's a good thing that the teams have their own ways of operating. And I think especially so when you move into a place where you're managing a PM that has already been operating for a while with a team, like that's very different than a PM that's brand new to your company uh, because then they're looking at you for how should I operate, right? That's a, a very different uh, type of thing. So that's just something that I learned there. All right. In the interest of time, I want to get to my last question, which is what is the best or worst part of being a product lead in your minds? For me, I think definitely the best part is being able to coach others, but not just coaching others, but actually being able to help people outside of my individual team because I have a little bit of a broader reach right now. So not just helping our own team succeed, but helping other departments hit their goals as well. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with Dan. Like The ability to have more time to spend with other groups, especially as a company like Drift, we're, as we're growing, that cross-team collaboration is increasingly important. And I, I also find that I learn so much from that because I learn more about the sales team's process and the way that the customer success team is changing their way of operating, right? Like there's so much learning in that for me. And I think even within my teams, like being able to take zoom out one step and look across the teams that I oversee and connect the dots between the insights that they're generating and saying, oh, all these things together actually open up a really interesting new opportunity for us. I feel like when you are the PM on a team, you're always kind of trying to lift your head up and see those opportunities, but you're so in the weeds. You're so busy executing and understanding deeply the specific problem that you're solving that it's hard. You can't really play both of those roles. And it's been really refreshing for me to be able to kind of zoom out and look at some of the bigger picture and just see all these opportunities at Drift that are super exciting to me. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably my favorite part about it is that dot connecting kind of Daphne, what you were saying and Matt, what you were saying across all of the different teams, all the different functions and really starting to get a sense of how the business should evolve. So not just being limited to an individual product or an individual team, but saying this is how our business model maybe should be. And this is how we should think about how we get there strategically and how we understand what's happening in the market. And I think getting time to think about that and getting time to, and Matt, I probably will do an episode on PD too, but getting the time to kind of think about all those impacts, I love. And then I think I have to say on the flip side, getting to see the amazing people that I work with do amazing things. And when they come up with like, I think that probably the other thing I would say is those little moments where maybe you've coached someone on something and then some time passes and then all of a sudden you see them doing that thing and crushing it, I think is like the best. To add onto that, I find it really cool and rewarding to see PNs that I'm working with do a better job than I could have done in that role. Like, I just think that that 
is so fun to see because it levels me up. I get to watch them level up. And then I think to take it on the flip side of one of the tougher parts of being a product lead, to go back to one of Dan's much earlier points, like it is a weird thing to manage someone that has much more product management experience, more years of that than you do. So it's tricky to figure out like, how do you empower them to become even better when they're doing stuff that is probably better than you could have done in some tactics. So it, it's like finding that gap of where you can really add value to help them and their team continue to execute and become better. Well, thank you, all three of you. This has been amazing. I will probably end up having to do this again when I come up with more questions that I want to cover. Thanks, all of you, for taking some time to share what your experiences have been. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks. Thanks.